You're listening to Review and Preview on Facebook Live. What's going on, folks? Good evening. Welcome to Review and Preview. I'm Tom Scavetta, joined alongside my two lovely co-hosts, Kyle Russo and James Montefusco. Guys, it is great to be back. How's it going? It's going great, Tom. How you doing, man? I'm doing awesome, and I'm loving these new hats we're all rocking. I, I made the trip out to drop these off to you boys yesterday, so... Uh, yeah, I'm excited. We all got them on, all looking fresh in these review and preview sports hats. Everybody on the team officially has their hats, so I'm very excited about that. No doubt. Exactly. Uh, happy to be represented. Happy to be represented. I know I logged on. I'm like, you know what? The guys are going to definitely have their hats on. Let me go grab mine real quick. I told you yesterday when I dropped it off to, for you to wear. James, I was tired, man. It was a long day. Yeah, I wasn't even paying that's attention. That's true. That's true. Oh, Okay. Speaking Tom, what do you which, got there? We got some more uh, review and preview apparel. We got some nice coffee mugs with the uh, new logo on it. We got the old logo on it as well. Uh, I'm actually getting a replacement for that one. And I got, I ordered one of everything online, but I got one of my shirts as well. Um, I got my charcoal t-shirt that says review and preview sports. So folks, if you want apparel of your own, um, somebody actually bought something on Friday. So our campaign reopened for another two weeks so if you want something on our website you got until november 13th to get it folks make sure to follow us on all social media platforms i'll save us the time of day you can look at our ticker below for that uh we're going to emphasize our youtube channel though and folks if you have any comments tonight feel free to drop them in the comments section we love interacting with our uh viewers and everybody who supports our show and again thank you to everybody who supported our campaign on bonfire really do appreciate it from the bottom of my heart and we have a great guest tonight this was the hail mary um or hail murray maybe i should call it ross allen from fourth and long radio all the way out from idaho joins the show at 7 30 p.m eastern 5 30 mountain time He's a Denver Broncos fan. We're going to talk about some Von Miller. Uh, I had him on my week one episode of Big Blue Avenue. He was a lot of fun, so had to bring him back. Fourth and Long Radio, go check them out if you're following us. A lot of fun. But um, the sour note we have to start off this show on, it seems more often than not, is, ladies and gentlemen, the New York Giants. And uh, I say that very reluctantly because last night – Hank and I decided to meet up with Paul, who is our Chiefs fan on the team, uh, up in Connecticut to watch the game. And uh, the Giants actually had a lead in the fourth quarter of this game. 
17 to 14. They end up falling. Uh, final score 2017 on Monday Night Football. I think 17 13, actually. Um, Sterling Shepard and Dante Pettis both leaving the game with injuries. Kadarius Tony injured his hand, but came back. So the receiving core continues to be depleted. Um, before we kind of go over the X's and O's of this, James and Kyle, I want just your general thoughts on this football game. And James, we'll start with you here. Well, to be honest, I didn't watch much of it. I'd be at work extremely early this morning. Oh, so but you got the- lucky. Yeah, I did, unfortunately. But the parts I did watch, they seem pretty successful at times. Um, I don't know if you get the the thing that stuck out to me the most was Strahan with Eli and Peyton. And Strahan was even. You watched that show? That's the that's the program you watched it on last night. Oh hell yeah, that I got to. Um, I figured there was some good giants going to talk on there, Um, but Strahan was like, "What kind of play calling is this?" Um, so it, you know, it, it made sense. Um, but it was the fact that we couldn't close out didn't surprise me only because of how we've played all season. We haven't scored more than 17 points in a game. I don't know how we kept the chiefs to only 20 points that game just because the chiefs offense is terrible, but for the giants not to win that game by leading, what, most of the fourth quarter is from what I saw in stats reports? Yeah, they led most of the fourth quarter. Yeah, it is an embarrassment. I don't mean to correct you. We scored 29 against Washington, 27 against the Saints, 20 against Dallas, and then 25 last week against Carolina. Um, I think think the point that you were trying to make there is that the Giants have not been very successful scoring when it matters. Yes. Correct. That that was rough coming off a 25-3 win last week. Kyle, let's get your thoughts on this game. Um, just go ahead. I'm hundred I'm hundred percent ready because last night in the group chat, I'm like, I'm driving home and my phone's going off. What could this be? And it's a meme of Daniel Jones. Well, that wasn't me. I didn't send anything of Daniel Jones, a meme. I didn't send any meme. I just I sent the uh, the tweet that he's the first quarterback in NFL history to start zero and seven in his first seven primetime games. I didn't send a I didn't send a Daniel Jones meme though. Um, I don't know. There's you know nothing me, really. I'm more. not the best with technology. They, they mean the same thing to me. There, there's nothing really to say with this team anymore, right? I mean, to be yeah. honest with yourself, you're watching this game in the fourth quarter, and. Like James alluded to, the Giants, forget about this season, it feels like the last three, four years, they can't close out football games. They give the Chiefs back the ball with four minutes, and all they have to essentially do is to get in the field goal range. And come on. I mean, did we really did we really think the Giants are going to have a prime opportunity to get the football back? No. They needed to go down the field. They got a bad call on Eli Penny for a 16-yard run that gets 15 yards back because of a taunting penalty. And that basically solidifies the drive. Daniel Jones can't get another first down, and that's it. They got to kick it back. The Chiefs get a field goal. That, that's the football game. That was essentially the football game. I thought the defense played a really good game last night, probably the best game that they played even better than any, any game last year. And then I heard this morning there's this um, statistic out. It's called a pass rush win percentage. And 
the Giants were one for 33, 3% in terms of getting to the quarterback uh, in last night's game. It was the worst percentage of, of rushing the passer in the last four or five years of in any game. And there's been like 800-plus games. So I guess I was wrong with defense performance as well. I, I just don't know what to make of it anymore. There, I really don't. And then you see Joe Judge coming out and saying, oh, the, the headsets is, is, is why we had some costly timeouts and lack of communication. It's like, well, you know what? The Chiefs had more penalties than you. They, they couldn't get anything going whatsoever the entire game, and they still beat you. So it's like, what, what do you do now? I mean, going I, another thing, too, which I don't know if you guys caught on to, the Giants notoriously are awful against guarding tight ends, and they go up against the best tight end in football, and they manage to hold him to what? Two receptions all game for 11 yards and a forced fumble nonetheless? Mm-hmm. And still lose the football game. It's like – it's like, what do you, what do you do? I just don't even know what to say anymore. It, nothing that they do seems to work. And Andy Reid in his press conference said something that I wish that I heard from Joe Judge because every week Joe Judge and I'm a Joe Judge lover. I'm, I'm somebody that advocates for him. I'm somebody that is a fan of him. He goes, "We got to fix this. We got to fix this. We got to fix this." In Andy Reid's press conference, you know what he said. He goes, it's enough about saying, oh, we got to fix this and actually do it and win the football game. The Giants don't do that. You hear the list of stuff that went wrong, what we got to fix, and then they do the same thing the following week. No winning, just more stuff, more problems to add on in that future loss. So I, I don't know what to make of this team anymore. I didn't expect them to win. I didn't expect it to be close whatsoever. But the fact that they had a lead in the fourth quarter and all they had to do was get into get first down and they still couldn't do that. It's like, I don't know what to make of this team anymore. I just don't know. Well, when we look at the numbers, Daniel Jones, statistically not a horrific game, but his first pass of the game was picked off by the Chiefs after the Giants picked off Mahomes. Uh, let's get to Steve's comment. Pathetic period. Defense did average, but can't get any heat on the pass rusher. And Joe Judge is trash. Mr. Discipline is a joke. I won't go as far as saying trash. I'm going to say he didn't have his best coach game. Um, I still think he should be our head coach next year. Um, but yeah, I mean, Look, nobody expected the Giants to win this football game going in, right? But with the way the game was going, they did the typical Giants and lost that way. Like, I I think as we saw the game progress, we were like, well, okay, the Giants are legitimately in contention to win this football game now. And at that point, we were kind of expecting them to win, until the fourth quarter came around. Once they took the lead, I'm like, we might actually win this thing. Me and Hank are in the bar like this when we went up 17-13. It was like it was Evan Ingram's first touchdown of the season. Um, And then Kansas City gets the ball back, and when the Giants punt the way to Kansas City, Chiefs get the ball back down by four. I place a bet with Paul. I say, Paul, I can leave this bar right now with however much time was left in the game, like four or five minutes, something like that. It was four minutes when they got the ball back. I will go home and I will 
comfortably tell you that I will check on my phone and that the Chiefs will have won this football game. And that's exactly what happened. And he 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 didn't really understand it coming from a Giants fan. And I'm like, Kyle, you even said in our group message last night, I mean, you know it's bad when you're trailing to the Giants. Uh, yeah. I mean, I know we're trashing the Giants here, but Kansas City, this wasn't the Giants looking good by any means. I'm going to give Daniel Jones a little bit of credit. He audibled magnific- magnificently at the line. Um numerous times on second and long, third and long. It was like and, every single play. It was yeah, every and, single play. That was the <laughs> offense last night. We we have to give him a little bit of credit for that um, because the original play call just wasn't a good match schematically. So Daniel Jones pretty much had to undo what Jason Garrett called. <laughs> That's why the Giants were able to stick around in that game, if we think about it. But um, let's get to Hank's comment. Should have been a dub. This team is undisciplined, a typical, predictable debacle. Ooh, a little yeah. twister there. Yeah. What, and Hank brought up a great point. Steve also commented the, a similar comment about the discipline. When Joe Judge got hired as the head coach, you know, I didn't expect much change in terms of, you know, uh, the turnaround of, uh, of losing every single year to this team is going to be a playoff team in the next couple of years. But the one thing that I knew coming with Joe Judge is that especially the way he spoke is that he was going to lead a professional and disciplined program. And that has been so far from it. The amount of penalties that this team goes through a game, it's not even penalties. It's penalties that cost them and kill their chances of winning the football game. Like at the worst possible time, you are a two in five football team and you have Elijah Penny running up to the defense and taunting a player for a 15 yard run. You, you have an opportunity to win the game. What are you doing? What are you doing? You are a team that is horrible, 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 horrible team. You have a chance to win an Arrowhead, a game that you have no business of even competing in. And why? What is with the penalties? That goes on again. People say with baseball, people say with baseball all the time that players need to it's not just coaches uh, learning how to run the bases. Players should know that in types of situations. It's the same thing with, well, I don't blame it hundred percent on Joe. Come on, man. Really? Really? I, I, that cost you the game. That really did cost you the game. Um, yeah. Uh, Steve says they are bad. You can't dress it up like that. Um, they always find a way to lose. I mean, this is true. And this has it. And James, you said, that's the way it's gone this year. It's the way it's gone the last five years plus. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'll give Graham credit for how he called a game. He kept them from getting anything deep for the most part. And, yeah, Adoree Jackson, I thought, had a very solid game. Xavier McKinney was pretty good. Logan Ryan as well. Uh, Bradbury, too. I don't have much complaints. Keon Crossan had a nice sack on Patrick Mahomes in the in the red zone. That kept the Giants alive. Um Julian Love had that interception off of Mahomes on the first drive. Um, Darnay Holmes also had an interception that was called back due to the Zimenez offside. Um, so, yeah, right then and there, the discipline on, on defense is something that Patrick Graham has to work on, something that Joe Judge has to work on. Steve says, I had no faith on Judge from the jump. Name one Belichick disciple who has had great success. I'll wait. Um 
I don't know about great success, but Mike Vrabel is one name that sticks out to me who's been very good. Now, obviously, he wasn't an assistant coach under Belichick, but he was a former player. And the Titans. Steve's not, Steve's not wrong. I mean, the only guy is really Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien and Bill O'Brien, I mean, kind of ruined the credibility there when he started trading every good player on Houston. Mm-hmm. I still trust Judge, but um, my trust is not as – you know, strong. It's, it's not as strong as what it used to be. I trust them. Bro- you just got to win. You just got to win. They don't win. Exactly. What's a win? Exactly. We don't know. Let's get to Pasquale. How's it going, Pasquale? Really appreciate it. Uh, Pasquale Zealia, James, fellow Fantasy League member. Um, the Elijah Penny penalty cost him the game. Yeah. Um. That call on Tay Crowder was horrible. We have been rebuilding. We have been rebuilding since before Eli retired, and look where we are. Um, I think we're even worse than we were, Steve, before we retired. Have do you, you did think, you guys see? Did you see the graphics? Did you see the graphic of our last five seasons through eight games? It was a pretty poorly designed graphic by ESPN, but yes, I did. <laughs> 2017, first day games, one and seven. 2018, first day games, one and seven. 2019, first day games, two and six. 2020, first day games, one and seven. And this year, through eight games, two, two and six. six. It's too much, oh, man. My. I mean, oh, lovely. Tony, oh, man. Tony couldn't get involved, man. I mean, he hurt um, his hand, too. Well, what did you guys think of the Tay Crowder penalty, by the way? Do you guys agree with that call? Because I'll be honest with you, it was questionable, but with the way the rule book is, I think you got to throw the flag there on that play. I'm trying to remember. Do you guys the remember the play that I'm talking no, about? I'm trying I to I'm trying to remember it. I don't remember it. Um, I believe it was a helmet to helmet, if I'm not mistaken. Um late, that, honestly, there were so many penalties I couldn't tell. But I remember the moment Steve's talking about. There was a little backlash on that Tay Crowder penalty that really hurt the Giants on that drive. Um, was it It was the end of the game or beginning of the game? I'm pretty sure it, it was like in the, it was definitely in the second half. I'm going to look it up right now just for clarification. Um, There's too many penalties to keep track of. So, I mean, you know. Oh, the face mask on Kelsey. Oh, yeah. yeah so that's, that's, yeah, grabbed- that was a bad call. Oh yeah, I, jersey. I I disagree with that. He grabbed the bottom corner of his of his mask. That's a face mask. Did um, he? He did. If if you look very closely at the play, he snagged the bottom corner of his face mask, and Kelsey's head turned. I mean, that's a textbook penalty flag. I'm sorry. I'm gonna yeah. have to disagree. I'm gonna have to disagree with you guys there. Um, I didn't. Now I well because they said that. Steve Levy shouldn't be calling football games. They said that uh, that it looked that way because of the way his jersey was pulled, but they didn't replay it because they moved on to the next play so fast. Because The Giants didn't even challenge it, right? No, because they, they knew it was on. a penalty. I'll, I'll give you guys that. The jersey was pulled. It uh, is what it Noah. is. I mean, we're, we're, we're plucking at little things here. <laughs> Bottom line is this is that even in, in a penalty-filled game by the Giants, the Chiefs still had more penalties and still managed to win the game. And more turnovers, too. And more turnovers and still managed to win the game. 90s kid. Uh, who's 90s kid? I don't know who that is, Noah. 
Uh, a little throwback from Thursday night when we had the Monster Mash going with Paul and Marty. <laughs> that, that was an interesting show. Um, I might have to bring that wig back. Consistency. Is that the same, same wig that you used like three years ago? That's when that's when you went out and you were like, Tom, I want to do a wig show. And then you made us buy wigs. Yep. I'm like, what is this guy thinking? He's been here for like three months and we're, we're doing a wig show. We sure enough, it, it was a lot of fun. We had to spice it up. Russo was away. So, you know. When does it end? Um, I'm going to. Week 17. Uh, it, it will at some point, guys. Uh, <laughs> when is it going to end? Kyle, Kyle please. Uh, all right. Tom, it's been, ten, it's been 10 years. It's been 10 years. It, it's not going to last forever. I mean, bad. No, I'm not saying it's going to last forever, but if you look at this team right now, right? We thought the rebuild was coming to a close this season. I, I, to be honest, the Giants from, uh, again, you don't know this yeah. is the case, but how they're playing, they're going to have to blow it up again this offseason. We'll see. We'll see. Why don't we bring back Odell? That was a good question, James. That's what James gets for making that comment. Um, we could use the receiver right now. We could well, apparently Odell's making noise in Cleveland that he's not getting the ball enough. Sounds familiar. That's what I'm saying. I get the ball let, plenty of time get, back here. Let, let's not get into an Odell debate. We all know how that ends. Um, <laughs> all right. I miss those. So let's preview the Raiders quickly. Henry Ruggs charged with DUI in a serious car accident Sunday morning. Uh, this morning, actually. This morning. I don't know what day it is. Uh, there was one fatality, unfortunately. Ruggs was the Raiders' leading receiver this year with 469 yards and two TDs. The Giants, more opportunities to key in on Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro. Obviously, we hope Ruggs is okay. And anybody else who was involved in that car crash, you know, our, our thoughts and prayers obviously go out to the families of those involved. Um, we don't know what the consequences will be for Ruggs at this time. I, I, I'll guarantee you he won't see the football field again uh, for the rest of this season. He may never see it ever again. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, now with him out, it gives the Giants one less weapon to worry about. And if Galladay and Barkley return, you know, you could be talking about this being a real close game. On Sunday again, I mean, you look at the way the Giants played against the Chiefs on Monday night. I get it, a little jet lag by now. Uh, tomorrow's Wednesday. It'll be their first day of practice for the week, so they're already a day behind. But the Raiders are in disarray right now, their head coach situation. Actually, their interim head coach is having a homecoming this weekend. He's from local Yonkers, New York, which is mm-hmm. right across the bridge from Westchester, New Jersey, whatever you want to call it. So. Um, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens with that. But, um, any thoughts on this Raiders game? Obviously the last meeting, the Raiders won back in 2017. I was, um, MIA that day. Um, that, that, that was the Geno Smith game. That's the game that every Giants fan wants to forget. Um, and and then they rightfully fired Ben McAdoo the next week. Um, the next day. The next day. The card didn't work. Um, all right. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I just looked down because I got some breaking news, college football related, but we'll get to that later on in the show. But um, do we want to predict this game? Uh, because 
I honestly think the Giants have a shot to win this. If they get um, Barkley and Galladay back healthy, the Raiders are in some disarray, and this is a game the Giants could steal. I think the Raiders' record is a little bit inflated due to who they've played. I know they've won one or two good games against good football teams, but as of right now, the Raiders don't really scare me. They don't scare me like the Chiefs did. Even though the Chiefs aren't as good as they were in years past, the Raiders don't scare me as much, James. I hear you. Um, I mean, the Chiefs didn't scare me because on how bad they were playing. It was more of our stupid, costly mistakes that are scaring me. Yeah. This could be, like Tom, you're saying, the Giants could ultimately take this game. But I have to look at it this way. They're a day behind the Raiders. They're jet lagged. I mean, the Raiders will be jet lagged as well. They're coming from Vegas. So maybe that benefits us a little bit more. Who knows? And then you, you look at who's coming back. Are they going to have, you know, is Barkley coming back for, is he going to take on a full lo- load or is he going to be back in time? Um, meaning, like, is he going to have enough practice time to get back to where he somewhat was? I'm saying it's going to be a very close game. I would love to say the Giants are coming out victorious, but I believe the Raiders are. It's going to be another close, nail-biting game. Um, I would only hope the Giants win so I can go to work happy, but I got a feeling it's not. Um, I'm going to go with the score 24-21 Raiders. Fair. A lot of interesting uh, storylines in terms of the players that will be available in this game. Uh, Tom, you talked about the Giants side, but uh, the Raiders uh, still questionable, Josh Jacobs and Darren Waller. So those are two huge pieces of that offense for the Raiders. Um, Again, still questionable on the Giants side as well. But if those pieces do play on both sides of the football for both the Giants and Raiders, I still think the Raiders have the edge because of what I've seen this season out of Derek Carr personally. Derek Carr is, has played quietly tremendously. He's, he's one of the top five passers in football in terms of passing yards this, week, uh, this year. He's had excellent connection with his receivers, whether it's been Renfro. Obviously, he won't have rugs available, but with Darren Waller using Josh Jacobs. Uh, Brian Edwards, I expect to take a huge step up this week as well. well I think we'll have a sort of breakout second half of the season. Um I think they wind up winning this game. I'm going to say a final score of I'm going to say a final score of 35-24. So, um obviously I have my my Giants show on Thursday night, so I'm not going to re- reveal my full prediction here, but I am so with the injuries and stuff, I really don't know who to take. I'm I'm, le- I'm actually leaning Raiders right now, but that could change over the next couple of days. Um, so if, if the game was tomorrow, give me Raiders uh, 23-20. But obviously that could change come Thursday's mm-hmm. show, depending on who's practicing. If Barkley and Galladay are practicing, I'm probably going to pick the Giants to win because I, I think – they have a legit shot in this football game. Um, but moving on to the Jets quickly, we'll spend literally like three, five minutes on the Jets because um, they shocked the world on Sunday against the Bengals, mm-hmm. improving the two and five, rallied with 17 fourth quarter points. Quarterback Mike White um, 
threw for 405 yards, three touchdown passes. He did have two interceptions, but he becomes the second QB since 1950 with 400-plus passing yards in his first career start. He was a 2018 fifth-round pick from the Dallas Cowboys on the Jets practice squad for third season now. And somebody placed a bet yeah. that Mike White would lead the NFL in passing yards this week and won 125 k on that bet. Off a thousand dollar bet. Yeah. What a bet. Who is this guy? I don't know. Who's Mike White? Yeah. I don't know, but uh, I I I got into my into my searching a little bit and, and I wanted to mention in the Giants segment, Mike White in one career game has more passing yards in a career game than Daniel Jones has ever had. I knew you were gonna say something absurd. There we go. That. Tom, don't worry about it. He he's not on the screen no more. Much better. Much better. <laughs> Uh, Pride of Western Kentucky. Yes, Noah. Thank you very much for that comment. And Noah, I've seen you thrown some other comments in there as well. We'll get to those a little bit later as the show progresses. Um, yeah, look, the defense played well. Uh, Sheldon Rankins, uh, Quinn and Williams each with a sack. And Mike White did things that Zach Wilson couldn't do. He got the ball to Jamison Crowder. He got the ball to Elijah Moore. Michael Carter had nine catches for 95 yards and 77 yards on the ground and a tutty. Michael Carter had a good game for the Jets. C.J. Mosley looked good. Joe Burrow looked shaky at times. Joe Mixon was held to 33 rushing yards. The Jets, the New York Jets, had 511 total yards of offense against the Cincinnati Bengals, guys. Where did this performance come from? Is Mike White just really good and we don't see it? Or are the Bengals a fraudulent football team. I think that when you look at teams and you see this in all sports, right? You see it very often is that you play down to your opponent. Sometimes uh, you question, obviously with the, in the Bengals situation, how much tape is there on Mike white to really prepare for? You could prepare as much as possible, but there's no notes on him in terms of professional NFL games. Um, I don't think the Bengals are fraudulent, but, I said in the beginning of the season, with the with the roster that the Jets assembled, they, they had some capabilities. Obviously, it was heavily dependent upon what the quarterback can produce. But they have the offensive weapons there, and the defense wasn't so bad either. The secondary was the biggest question in terms of their corners, but their corners have actually been pretty good this year. They they And now you've seen, of course, Michael Carter had to have his breakout game when I played him see this week, but... Michael Carter was tremendous this week uh, against the Cincinnati Bengals, not only in the run game, which has been completely, you know, desolate, completely a non-factor in every single Jets game leading up to this one, but the pass game as well. They have the weapons to do so. Now when you look at Mike White and you evaluate, because now he has the opportunity to, now that Zach Wilson will be out for the next two or three weeks uh, with his PCL injury, do it again. Do it again. They played the Indianapolis Colts. Let's see what he can do. Second game in a row. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see Thursday night football this week. Uh, Jets bring in guard Laurent Duvernay-Tardif on the trade deadline. Colts coming off a tough overtime loss to the Titans by a field goal. They're favored by 10.5 still. They've won two out of their last three, coming off a slow start. Carson Wentz has started all eight games this season. 14 touchdowns and just three picks. They have a good second year back in Jonathan Taylor, a pretty good, young, promising second year receiver and Michael Pittman Jr. 
and a defense that features the likes of the Forrest Buckner and local Jersey kid Al-Kadeen Muhammad. Uh, it was announced that T.Y. Hilton will not play in this game. I'm going to go with the Colts here in this one. I don't see lightning striking twice for the Jets. I'm going to go Colts by a, a final score of we're going to go we're going to go 20 to 13. I don't see the Jets putting up many points in this one. Give me Indy. Hmm. I'm going to say I'm going to go with Indianapolis here as well, Tom. I think that when you compare the two defenses, the Bengals and the Colts, the Colts just have such a tremendous uh, defense. Uh, that I don't know how much the Jets are going to be able to get going offensively this time around. Um, so I'm going to say the Colts are going to win this game 30-20 to 20 in this matchup. A lot of points, Kyle. Yeah, I think the Colts are more than capable of doing so. We've seen Michael Pittman Jr. has been tremendous. Jonathan Taylor has had a fantastic second year. Uh, and Carson Wentz, even though he had a bad game in uh, Tennessee, he's was pretty good up to that point in the season. Pretty good. James, what do you got? Jets win back-to-back weeks, 21-10. Let's go. I'm happy you did it because I didn't want to. But I um, like you. Oh but now, God. quick picks could be completely different, boys. Just remember that. Tommy Let's Mack go, agrees Tommy. with you. 31-21. Um, yeah, Tommy Mack agrees. Look, I could see the Jets winning this football game. They've beaten two of the best teams in the AFC right now, in the Titans and the Bengals. So, look. That this is why you play the games on Sunday. You don't know what the results are going to be. Jets win 45 3. Uh, mm-hmm. about that. Dom, those hats. Thanks, Dom. Appreciate that. Uh, appreciate you tuning in. Your punishment will be revealed after our segment with this guest, the one, the only Ross Allen from Fourth and Long Radio. James will we'll add him up to the uh, stream now. Ross. It's been eight weeks since we've chatted. How's it going, my friend? I know it's a tough week for you, but um, very excited to have you on. So, um, how's it going? It's going Not good, great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Monday was fun. I mean, talk about the Broncos finally winning a football game, albeit in a awful game against the Washington football team, a game that no one should go back and watch. And I'm finally, hey, it's been a month. I get a victory Monday. Bombshell. Bombshell are gone. Okay. Uh, I guess I don't get to enjoy this day anymore now, can we? <laughs> Nothing good lasts forever. And, yeah, I guess that's kind of what we're here to talk about anyway. So we can go into my sadness here um, for all your guys' entertainment. And so I am very much okay with that. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about the trade deadline with you now. Um, Von Miller in 2021, four and a half sacks, seven tackles for loss, nine quarterback hits, 30 pressures, 32-year-old edge rusher who played, the, what was this, his 11th season in the NFL with the Broncos? So 2011. Yeah, well, I, I think uh, he didn't play in 2020, so technically yeah, his so, 10th right. playing yeah. season. But yeah. uh we're going off the technicalities here. Yes. It's been a very it's been a very, very long time in Ross. I know you're a guy that doesn't stop grinding. You literally are always on social media posting like 10 to 12 posts a day. And I give you all the credit in the world for that. You're really continuing that. to do that after hearing the news yesterday. Well, 
It was kind of hard to type because the, the, the teardrops on the phone kind of gone the way of my thumbs. <laughs> but uh, it was fun trying to try to do all of that while in it work. And, man, it, it was just uh, something that compiled. I felt the worst, though, because money was a bad day. I got a shout out to one of my uh, fellow Bronco fans and my, and, and my buddy Ray because he lost Von Miller. And he also lost on his fantasy team Derrick Henry the same day. Tough. Jeez. So that was tough. tough, but uh, you know, we gotta keep grinding. What better way to forget about things than just to talk about football, but also embrace it as well? Because I mean, um, before this, of course, I mean, I'll do my own little plug here. NFL show drops tomorrow. Record that before coming on here. Talk a lot about on Bob Mill and the Rams. And so, hey man, there's a lot to talk about here. So you can't deny he had a huge impact on this franchise. He's the greatest pass rusher this franchise is going to see. He's the best pass rusher of his era. And it's tough, but I'll give you I'll give you guys some bright side real quick before we want to talk into a little bit more about this. Just think about this. Von Miller, contract year. You get second or third rounder for him. Imagine he's a free agent this offseason. He's okay with turn, coming back to Denver. Maybe George Patton can pull a 4D chess move and uh, give Bob Miller essentially. Uh, you get a couple of second, you get a second, third round pick for free. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> Hometown <laughs> discount. Hey, you also predicted a Rod to the Packers on draft night. It, it, it's he's still going to go to the Broncos. It's just going to take an extra year to do so. <laughs> <laughs> gotta get that celebration going, Ross. Uh, gotta I'll, I'll pop the bubbly way too early. <laughs> inject some positivity. Uh, Kyle Russo, what was your initial reaction to this Von Miller news? Uh, because obviously, Super Bowl 50 MVP, eight time Pro Bowler, three time first team All Pro. Um, I know you and I were talking back and forth in the group chat with the guys, and this took a lot of people by surprise. Yeah, I didn't personally, again, like Ross, you alluded to, he's in a contract year, and I, I didn't think that they were going to sign him back. That, that was my personal take. But, again, that didn't mean to me. I had – this was way out of left field. I didn't think they would trade him in the deadline. I thought they would let him ride out the rest of the season on the team, considering that he was actually having a, a decent year so far. On top of the fact that while they are in a competitive AFC West, they're, they're coming off a win. They're 4-4. Four and four. They're still semi-competitive. So I didn't think that they would get rid of one of their best pass, uh, pass rushers, especially because Bradley Chubb has been injured all year round. Why they would get rid of one of the greatest players to ever play for them. But I guess you have to take advantage again. If you're a Broncos fan, and I could be completely wrong by saying this, is that you got to look at it from this perspective and say that probably wasn't a good chance that he was going to be signing back with us or that Denver would be interested in signing him back for what he'd probably want this offseason. So he was going to leave anyway. At least they got something of, I think, tremendous value at this point in his career. As injured as he's been, as injured as he's been, they got a Ross. You said a second and third round pick for him. That's pretty good. That's pretty yep. good. It's not too bad. It's for not a thirty bad. what thirty two year old pass rusher, thirty three year old pass rusher. Look, man, it's more than we got for JPP, right? Where we got a third <laughs> and a fifth. Yep. And yep. I don't know. Bob Miller has more fingers, so maybe that played a role. A <laughs> hundred and a hundred ten and a half career sacks, a hundred forty-two career starts. Ross, um, I'm sorry, this should have been the first question I asked you. 
Uh, let's just get this out of the way. What when you first saw this pop up on your phone? I'm assuming that's where you found out the news. Uh, what went through your mind? Uh, what went through my mind? Uh, I, I at least the first rational thought was. Uh, I wasn't too surprised, ultimately. I mean, I'm kind of on the opposite view, Kyle. Maybe it helps that I mean, I'm a little bit more, I, I guess, geared towards the Broncos and, and their news there. I kind of saw the writing on the wall here. You saw that. I, I still think there's a decent chance that they were going to be able to re-sign him in the offseason. Definitely depends on the kind of season he has and the kind of numbers in production he's putting up. But there is a lot of talk about that. Not talk about trading Bob Miller, and ultimately, I wasn't too surprised. Unfortunately, for the past few weeks that these rumors have been going on, I've been just trying to prepare myself for the worst because might as well get ahead of the curve and and uh, and just assume that he's gone. They get decent value for him, and so ultimately, I obviously it hurts. It seems to lose a guy that I grew up watching in terms of, I mean, I mean, look, the, the most notable Broncos players of all time is John Elway. It's Pate Manning. It, it, you put Terrell Davis in there. Um, I mean, I, of course, I mean, knowing me, I could list a crap ton of names, but uh, um, just so maybe the people that aren't exactly Broncos fans, not the name you put there, Pate Manning. And then Von Miller. Von Miller, a guy that is in terms of legacy and greatness and popularity, is up there with quarterbacks. It almost never happens, especially as a defensive player. The pass rush is a little bit easier, but that almost never happens. The, the impact that this guy has on the franchise is crazy. And I saw that message pop up on the screen from uh, Noah, and I love it because Von Miller getting to Cam Newton a few times that game, the Biggest strip sack of my lifetime there in the fourth quarter to ice the game effectively to win the Broncos a Super Bowl the first in my lifetime. That was a moment that I'll always remember. I guarantee I've watched the Super Bowl over 10 times in its entirety. That one year alone, I probably watched it six. Um, so I've watched that moment a lot. Uh, yeah, uh, ultimately, we're not too surprised. The Broncos still got a decent return and the door is it, – it's it's not wide open, but the door is still open for a Von Miller return to Denver anyway. So ultimately, it's not the worst deal. And it's not like the Broncos are going to do anything this year. So it doesn't matter if you trade away talent. I'm more mad that the Broncos didn't trade away more players, if I'm being honest. That's crazy. We're talking about this a day after the guy got traded about him potentially coming back. I love it, Ross. <laughs> I'm just trying to be positive. I'm just – I need help. Absolutely. But um, before I get to Kyle and James's questions, um, what are your overall thoughts on the trade and how do you think he benefits the Rams defense, a defense that features the likes of Leonard Floyd and Aaron Donald? Sweet damn. This is a scary defense, isn't it, <laughs> fellas? Oh, boy. If the Rams were in Super Bowl contenders already, now they just might be the best team in the NFC and they might be better than the Bills over in the AFC because they're unequivocally best AFC team at, at this point in time, probably going to be too. Um, I had hope in the Bengals, but kind of what you guys were talking about before I came on, that hope has gone. Because uh, I guess we have to remember it's still the Cincinnati Bengals, of course. But man, this defense is is, is gone from great to really great, essentially, because you have uh, at least talking about that pass rush, Leonard Floyd's been having a great season. Aaron Donald, he's still one of the scariest players that the NFL has ever seen. He's the guy that commands double teams, sometimes triple teams, depending on what play you're running, what kind of run you're running, and what direction you're running to. If you're running at Aaron Donald, especially an interior run, you have to put three guys on him. Have to. 
Now, at least in terms of pass rush, you already have a solid secondary unit that makes the quarterback hold the ball at that extra extra half second. That makes him have to do a pump fake. It makes him have to look to a second, sometimes third option. And now that only gives Von Miller one of the fastest guys. And, and the guy, he's the best in the league at timing a snap count and reading the quarterback. He's hands down the best. I mean, one of the greatest performances and examples of that all time is in 20, uh, 2016 in the AFC Championship game when they demolished the Patriots at home and route to the Super Bowl victory. He got all over Tom Brady. He had Tom Brady's number, which no one, no one has. No one has. Um, so he's going to make this team really, really, really damn good. And you do not want to be a posing quarterback going against this Rams team. Kyle, we'll get to you here. Ross, we obviously a major trade that went down yesterday, but like you alluded to as well, Denver actually won a game. And again, in a very competitive division, they're four and four. Uh, again, like you said, I don't think they're going anywhere. And I agree with your earlier statement saying that it was a surprise that they didn't trade more players like a, like a Noah Fant, who I think would have been traded. He wanted up on the COVID list uh, mm-hmm. today. A guy in Kyle Fuller, maybe even a guy in Ronald Darby. Uh, maybe some other guys that I'm not thinking of as well. I know they traded Kerry Vincent, who was a rookie this year, to Philadelphia as well. Kind of a smaller under-the-radar yeah, trade that happened today. It's one of those trades but, that don't matter. <laughs> yeah, but one of the – one of the things that I want to talk to you about is we know Teddy Bridgewater. I, no matter how good he plays this year, I don't think he's going to be the quarterback after this year. Mm. What do you think they do from this point forward? Because it's been – it's Denver has become the new Cleveland in terms of a uh, revolving door quarterback, uh, quarterback right now since Peyton Manning. Yeah, yeah. I wish I could dispute it, but that that's too damn true when you go through guys like – Paxton Lynch, a waste of first rounder on him. You go through guys like Trevor Simeon, um, um, Brian Case Keenum, Joe Flacco, Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater. It's been abysmal ever since Payne Manning left. And we don't, don't forget about – Yeah, don't forget about the Brock Weiler. Don't forget about Brock Weiler. <sighs> the Brock gone, baby. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I have to show him love because you remember he filled in for seven games there in the Super Bowl season. If it wasn't for him, they had the chance to not even make the playoffs at that yeah, point. Yeah, it's true. So, it's true. So huge shout to, to Brock. I, I respect the man, love him because he's big to that uh, Super Bowl. After a play, especially after that, going to was Houston and then to Cleveland and then to God knows where, it wasn't great. Uh, you can say that for all the Broncos, no matter how elite Joe Flacco is. He's not going to football games. Uh, <laughs> um, the Broncos are going to move on from Teddy Bridgewater after the season. I really thought they should have traded him back to the Saints. You know that that should yeah. that they should have done. Um, like I wish they sent Kyle Fuller. Held maybe the Seahawks could have sent Melvin Gorn to the Titans. There's a lot of guys that I, I feel like they kind of missed out there, but you know is what it is. Um, but in terms of the quarterbacks. They're going to have to go to the draft this season. Uh, you're going to have to draft a guy in the first, maybe second round. I know it's not even that deep of a quarterback draft class, and I can't even tell you how good a lot of these guys are because I haven't done enough research, in, in, um, if I'm being honest here. But, I mean, it def- at least compared to last year's draft class, it's not great. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. um, so <laughs> they're going to have to go to the draft. I don't really see a free agent that they'd be able to land hell. If they would – the most realistic option I see it, um, them making, if they go with a 
quarterback that's currently on the NFL roster, it would be trading the Eagles for Gardner Minshew. That's um, I, I actually was kind of a, a fan of that this offseason. And ended up not going that they end up going with the Teddy Bridgewater route, which ultimately he's not a bad quarterback. He's been doing decent. He's been better than any quarterback they've had since Peyton Manning. I know low bar, but he has. So you got to look the positive there. But I think it's either Gardner Minshew or the draft. Those are my two options right now. Or, or best of all, Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson. We'll see I how that gonna, goes. I was just going to say, what are, your, what are your thoughts? Obviously, the, the smoke has kind of died down a little bit on Aaron Rodgers after you know losing to the Saints opening opening week and then just not looking back from that point on. Do you think it's still you know a legitimate shot that he does leave Green Bay and potentially, obviously, Denver would be a huge suitor for him? I still think that, um, that he's going to stay to his word and that this is last season with Green Bay. Um, the way he's sounded all offseason. I mean, we kind of we see the same thing like almost every year with Aaron Rodgers, where he doesn't obviously doesn't like the front office with that Green Bay team, which I don't blame him. They've really done a whole lot for him. Um, I mean, one of the biggest drafts draft picks they've had in the last few years was trading up to draft a second rounder replacement for Aaron Rodgers, who not even that good of a quarterback in Jordan Love there. I I still think – I mean, the chance to – realistically, the chance to get Aaron Rodgers, especially last season, was never really that great. It was a lot of hope and maybe what if. There is a – I would say after this year, there's probably about a 30 35% chance that they land Aaron Rodgers. Now, I like those odds given because we haven't really had much else, and so I would like for them to pursue that. There's definitely a chance. Is it a great chance? I'm not. I'm not going to buy into it. If I'm being realistic here, which I don't like to be, <laughs> you're just like me, man. I'm more of a pessimist than an optimist. As much as I try <laughs> to be, sometimes I got to well, be a little pessimistic. You know, sometimes when when you set your expectations low, and the Broncos still, well, it's hard because I set my expectations on the Broncos still find a way to go under that. But oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> It's, it's life. At least they got Super Bowl this uh, within the last decade. That's all I'm banking on. We're putting James on the clock now. Uh, James, <laughs> you're up. What do you have to add to this absolute catastrophe uh, NFL trade deadline? It wasn't a uh, trade deadline, was it, man? Were you, were you surprised on some of the trades that happened this year, even though there didn't seem many? I would I would take that and just say that I was surprised in the lack of trades. There is a lot of teams of playoff contenders, or at least like they're on the doorstep. You list teams like the Colts, the Seahawks, maybe the Niners. Um, you want to throw in maybe teams like I guess the Bengals, even the Ravens, the Titans, the Chiefs. There is a lot of teams that you can name that needed to bolster their roster up by this trade deadline. Really, there was two notable moves this this season. It was Von Miller and it was Melvin Ingram. Besides that, what really did we see? What really did we see? And, and then the Von Miller trade is really the only trade of genuine impact because Von Miller makes that defense great, even better than they already were. Melvin Gordon, is, or sorry, excuse me, Melvin Ingram, is going to be a good piece of that Chiefs team, but there's he's plugging one leak. There's still mm-hmm. a thousand others on that Chiefs team. There's still a lot of stuff they got to fix. I mean, you guys, I mean, especially the Giants there. The Giants, I mean, in what world, at least looking before the season, no offense to the Giants, but 
before the season, you should not have thought that this game was going to be as competitive as it was. No, I, I, I take no offense. I take no <laughs> offense. Wait, 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 Ross. You know I like to take notes, and we we had we had you on our week one show. Yes, I'm, I'm going to give you credit where credit is due. Also, I don't know if you. I mean, I know we talked about it, but shout out to your Broncos for kicking our butts in week one. <laughs> wait, I know we just had a short convo on Instagram. I didn't want to say a whole lot because I didn't want to be that guy. <laughs> Well, I was also at the game sitting with some Broncos fans. You guys are a nice fan base. I will Thank admit you. that. You guys are Thank very you. level-headed. Know your stuff. I love Javante Williams, by the way. He's on so my fantasy good. team. That's he why they should have traded Melvin Gordon so we just see more. So we forced Pat Schumer to have to play Javante Williams. Hey, yeah, I figured that's where you were headed with that point. What, Pat Schumer? Uh well, not not Pat Sherman. Oh, okay. the, the whole one in the trade, Melvin Gordon oh, to get well, Javante I Williams. Melvin Gordon well, because I mean he's not the future in Denver. It's Javante <laughs> Williams. That guy yeah. is a specimen. He's up Jerry there for Judy. offensive rookie of the year, man. He's and Jerry Judy too. Another weapon for Pat Shermer. Jerry Judy. Mm-hmm. Well, another fo- weapon for Pat Shermer. A follow-up question for you, Ross, to go along with that because <laughs> I watched the Denver game, obviously. Uh, against the Giants heavily, and then a Thursday night game where they played Cleveland. Uh, Why this comes did you into watch with, that? <laughs> listen, as bad as it was projected to be, pretty decent game, actually. Um, <laughs> with that game, what I noticed is that, and, and this is kind of like a two-parter, what is the reason for in the coaching play by either, whether it's the offensive play calling of Shermer or whether it's Vic Vangio, what is the reason for – on every other drive, you use a different running back instead of going with the one that's hot. What what would be the reason for Javante Williams to just get a touchdown and then on the next time you get the ball to run with Melvin Gordon the entirety of that drive? I, I just – I don't get that. I think that would be – he. I think Javante Williams has so much potential because not only is he a, a good running back, but he's a great pass catcher as well. To keep that out of your offense, I get it for maybe a play or two, but for an entirety of a drive, it just makes no sense to me. Kyle, I I wish there was a good answer to that question. <laughs> I don't think there's an analyst in the world that can give a good answer for that besides Pat Shermer is a freaking moron. That's, <laughs> that's the only answer I can give you. I mean, you guys know too. You guys know. Pat, yeah. Pat Shermer, yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. What's up with, with New York teams and awful coordinators like like Gase and oh um I, I see that message real quick. I'm just gonna hit with that with Patrick Sertan. That boy is playing out of his mind this season in seven in six of his seven starts on the year, he's given up 40 yards or less. He's given up maybe one touchdown this year. He has interceptions, he's making pass breakups all the time. I love Patrick Sertan. If it was for Michael Parsons, hell Sertan could be defensive rookie of the year. Yep. It, it's not good, but uh, I wish they need to use Javante Williams so much more. That's why I said I wish they trade Melvin Melvin Gordon. So you are forced to use Javante Williams because I mean Melvin Gordon is a good running back. He's been solid this year. He had a couple touchdowns um, this week as well. He's good. He can't run through a, 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 a player, a defensive unit as good as Javante Williams can. That guy is a shifty. He's quick. He's elusive. Also, if he needs to, he can run through someone and break a tackle. That guy mm-hmm. has been phenomenal. And um, I, I, him, 
using Noah Fant in the awful ways, a guy who is a really solid pass catcher, but you're having him block half the time, and he sucks at blocking. He just is. He's not good. Um, he's constantly missing blocks. He's constantly getting holdings or false starts. You have him go yeah. catch passes. Cortland Sutton is a guy that they are underutilizing. Um, it's nice to have Jerry Judy back. We'll see if he can actually get into the offense, but there's no good reason of why Pat Shermer is underutilizing Javante Williams. He's one of the best young talents in the league. He should be better than Najee Harris. He should be the best running back of his draft class, if not the last few. Um, in my, it's, it should be him and Jonathan Taylor, honestly. It's the two best running backs out of the last few years moving forward. Those should be the best two running backs. And not using that's why uh that, that that's why you should have just I can't wait till they fire this entire coaching staff, except <laughs> for Mike Munchak, because the offensive line coach he's developed Garrett Bowles from a god awful player that gets at least one holding a call a year to the most improved player of last year and one of the best tackles according to PFF. Besides that, can them all, man, especially Shermer. Especially fire him into the sun. Now, I, I know we've been spending a lot of time on the Broncos, but with Noah Fant liking a tweet, as Brian Attard comments here, shout out Brian Attard from Sports Fox. Make sure to go check out all Sports Fox content on Facebook and all their social media platforms. They're great guys. Um, do you think that's just like social media activity? Because, I mean, social media is not really real life, if, yeah. if you think about it. It's really easy to read into social media, isn't it? And to be honest, it's fun, though. It's fun to, to be able to read into these tiny little things of it's like a disease. <laughs> it is a disease. Yeah, um, but I think there is truth to this. Um, I have, I don't see any problem. I'm not surprised that Noah Fan did this. And honestly, I wouldn't have been mad if they trade him while he still had while yeah. he could still draw a third or second round draft pick for him mm-hmm. because. Honestly, from what we've seen this year is Albert O, um, Albert Wabinom, he's been better. It's a tight end in terms of the pass game, in terms of blocking. He doesn't get nearly as pen- he doesn't get penalized nearly as much as uh, Noah Fant does. I wouldn't have minded that trade. I'm being honest. It, it wouldn't have been the worst thing for the Broncos to do. I, I still think Noah Fant has plenty of potential, could be a really good threat in this offense, but he has some developing to do. And I'm not too surprised. I'm not too surprised that, that he liked a tweet like that. It makes a lot of sense. And Noah says it's nice to hear some excitement from Ross after the Giants eulogy the first 30 <laughs> minutes of the show. We always have to give the eulogy, all right? Oh, oh, man, I'm surprised you guys don't dress in all black like a funeral every week. It's tough, man. You know, it, it's we just like to get it out of the way first so we could end <laughs> the show on a good note. We, we'd rather start with it than end with it, get it out of our system. But I love it. Uh, Ross, shifting gears from the Broncos here, we have a couple more topics to go over with you. Uh, I want everybody now, we're all kind of pitch in on this. Week eight had some very memorable, memorable moments. Um, it started with the Packers handing the Cardinals their first loss of the season. Aaron Rodgers doing it without Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard. Uh, there was a lot of parody. In week eight, there was a lot of upsets. We talked about the Jets before. We talked about um, several teams, just the, the Saints taking down the Bucks, the Patriots taking down the Chargers, which I know Ross loves. Um, <laughs> Ross, as the guest, we'll start with you here. Which game stuck out the most to you in week eight and why? This is 
kind of a tough one because, like you said, there's a lot of games that, that definitely could be up there. Like, um, shouts yeah. to, um, I'll say the the Seahawks or the sorry, the, the Saints and the Bucks. I thought that was really interesting to want to watch because I mean, Sean Payne's one of the few guys that Tom Brady has a losing record to. I think he's like two and six or, or something like that against Sean Payton. You looked at last year. Didn't look good against the Saints. They, like what they lost him twice, right? Won a close game and then won in the blowout. And now Tom Brady throws two interceptions, one that's a pick six, and loses to Trevor freaking Simeon. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I thought that was really interesting. And I, I, I'm biased of why I like that because one of my takes is, uh, it, from week two, and I still strongly believe it. And that is um, the Bucks are the most overrated team in the league. Tom Brady's not bad. The run game isn't bad. The only thing that that team really had going for them, at least in the regular season last season, was their outstanding pass rush unit. And they've been, compared to last year, almost non-existent. Their defensive the secondary has been injured or bad. Uh, Tom Brady needs to have almost perfect games or the Bucks lose. Um, mm. he, he got outdueled by Mac Jones in his return to New England. I thought that was huge. Not a lot of people talked about that. Tom Brady. Um, <laughs> I like Noah's comment there is all. Um, it, it, it's the Bucks are disappointed, but I thought that game was, was huge because I mean, plenty of implications. A, a team that the Saints team they still don't have their their they don't have a quarterback now uh, specifically. I, I feel really bad for James because I was hot on him being able to be the starter, especially post LASIK. Um, now you got to take a look at having Trevor Simeon as your quarterback um, or Philip Rivers if you want to throw that name in the hat. A guy that's located in Louisiana right now. His high school team has done playing, and he said he'd be willing to listen. If the Saints reach out to him, I don't think that's a bad move. He's at least better than Trevor Simeon. He's a better passer <laughs> than um, uh, uh, than what they currently have on that roster. Ian Book, too, still there. <sighs> eh, I'm not super sold on Ian Book. I actually played against him in high school. Uh, really? Yeah. No yeah, way. Playoffs, um, so he played a high school called Oak Ridge. I played Kasu and Soaks. And uh, my junior year, we had a playoff game against Ian Book. Um, He'll up our defense, uh, not going to lie. Uh, we lost that game by uh, a couple scores. I um, I don't want to get into the glory days all too much. But, yeah, we played against him. He was good. Good with Notre Dame. He's a really solid quarterback. Um, I would like to see him get time. If they don't bring anyone else in, I would like to see him get time because especially maybe later in – the um later in the season if they fall out of like true playoff contention you might as well put them in see what you got and see what you got in a young quarterback like that i don't think there's anything wrong with that but the saints they're still in a position to win the division make the playoffs the quarterback that's going to give you the best shot right now that you have on roster is trevor simeon although that sounds awful um <laughs> really their best hope might be to bring in philip rivers and i don't think that'd be a bad move not at all. True. Yeah. That, that that's a good that's a good pick, Ross. James, we'll get to you here. Um, what's your game of the week? Game of the week. Oof. There's a, you know, there's a lot of them. Um, I yeah, do have to was. say Tennessee over Indy. Mm. That was a nice little battle back to back, and having now the Titans. I don't 
I wasn't much on social media today, so you guys can correct me if I'm not, but having uh, Derrick Henry out for the rest of the season is only going to hurt the Titans. So that could have been, well, their last game they could have won for the season because they rely heavy on him. And even though if they get Adrian Peterson, he's no Derrick Henry. Um, so I would that was the game of the week for me because Derrick Henry got injured, but also the overtime win. That was just insane. I enjoyed that game a lot, the back and forth. Who replaces Derrick Henry? That's the biggest question, guys. Well, yeah. Not a damn soul. No, <laughs> nobody could replace him. Nope. It's how do you a prime AD, maybe. Yeah. We're talking, maybe. If we're talking 2012 Adrian Peterson, maybe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. What's your game? Uh, my game of the week, guys, this is easy. This is the New York Jets versus the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, my goodness, what a show. What a show that we saw right here in Broadway. I'm just kidding. Right here in MetLife. But <laughs> New Jersey. What a, what a terrific game. This is where the quote, any given Sunday, it's just the epitome of that statement, right? Ross, in your game against the Saints, Tom Brady going up against Trevor Simeon, Cooper Rush going up against the Vikings, taking over for Dak. But this game, Mike White never played a career snap. At least those two other guys had some, you know, football experience before. Take over for Zach Wilson after the Bengals come off of a game that puts them in the conversation for best team in the AFC. And they come all the way back in a fourth quarter where Mike White is out there catching two-point conversions in the end zone. And all of MetLife is going crazy and they win. And now, I mean, we didn't talk about it because we went through the Jets quickly. I don't think there's any, you know, there, there's some smoke there, but maybe even a little bit of a controversy there. Quarterback now, if Mike White comes out here on Thursday night and wins this game against the Colts, we'll see what yes. happens. But that's the game. That's the game of the week. That's the game of the week. I think the best thing for Zach Wilson would be to sit majority of the remainder of this season behind Mike White. I think he would learn a lot from that. We've seen what quarterbacks have done from sitting for a year or two. Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Eli Manning sat for the first eight, nine games. Yeah, but We've they, seen they guys sit behind experienced quarterbacks, minute. though. They don't sit behind other rookies. Hey, don't forget about the most elite quarterback that he has to talk to there in that locker room now as well, and Joe Flacco. I mean, yeah, look, maybe it's Joe he Flacco. He could learn a good bit of things from Joe Flacco. That's, yeah, I mean, I'm sure Joe Flacco really enjoyed his 90-mile drive up the turnpike. He went from a 3-5 and five Philadelphia to a 2-5 and five New York Jets. So, Who I'm still sure might be in a better situation than the Eagles. <laughs> yeah, I'd rather be a Jet than an Eagle, if I'm being honest with you. Uh, my game, you know, I was thinking I was going to go Green Bay originally, but the more I think about it, the Sunday night football game for me. I mean, you got to give credit where credit is due. Uh, Brian Attard comments, want to hear a joke? The Vikings, LOL. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to go that far. Also, that is coming from a Cowboys fan. But <laughs> Dallas got it done with Cooper Rush as their quarterback, who was on the Giants practice squad. Um, I kind of wish Cooper Rush was still our backup quarterback over Mike Lennon. But um, Cooper Rush, man, 375 passing yards. Um, you know, it's really a Trayvon Diggs left the game with an ankle injury. They lost Jabril Cox, 
having season-ending surgery on a torn ACL. Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb still had over 100 receiving yards. You think each, you think Dak would be throwing to them with those numbers? No, it's not Dak. It's Cooper Rush. It's Cooper Rush. And Micah Parsons balled out. All due respect to Pat Sertan II, but Micah Parsons is your rookie of the, uh, defensive rookie of the year right now. He's been that good. Four tackles for loss in the backfield. This is a Vikings offense that features the likes of Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson. I'm even going to throw K.J. Osborne in the mix because he's been coming on as of late. Justin Jefferson was a non-factor in this game. Dallas over Minnesota is my game of the week. Sadly. Get behind that. <laughs> and, and, Ross, one quick point, because I wanted to say this when you brought up the Saints as well. The Saints not only just in this game, but as a unit, right? Look at their projection in the beginning of the season. Look where they are now. Their two losses are to the Carolina Panthers, who we see now are going nowhere, and the Giants, or, or the Giants. Otherwise, they've had some solid wins underneath their belt. With James at quarterback now, I mean, we'll see what happens now at that quarterback position. But if they could fill that with like a serviceable guy like Trevor Simeon, a game manager, a guy that's not going to be the reason why you win most likely, but a guy that won't be the reason why you lose behind a solid defense and Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas will be coming back soon. They've been a good team this year. They've been a good team. No, I, I, I thought it was way too preemptive to say that the Saints are done once Drew, um, Drew Brees retired. Sean, um, um, Sean Payton is a fantastic coach. He is easily one of the best coaches in the league right now, easily going in the Hall of Fame once everything's all said and done. And it's the Saints are a good team. They have a good defense. They have a good run game. You don't even need a little slant boy um, in their running as well because he's still out. Uh, I thought that Jameis Winston, hell, I, it might have been a hot take, but I said before the season, I was sticking with it that the Saints have a higher ceiling with Jameis Winston at quarterback than they did with Drew Brees. They have a higher ceiling with Jameis Winston. So, obviously, he's not there anymore. He's not there the rest of the season. But the Saints could still be a playoff team. I didn't like everyone writing them off. I, I, I still think they're a solid team. As long as you have Sean, um, Sean Payne there as a head coach, you got a good chance of winning football games. Very true. I do agree with you there, Ross. They're definitely – an underrated football team, despite losing to us. Um, <laughs> throw that in there. Well, I heard uh, we, you guys talk about two losses. The Jets have beat two really good teams, so I can't put too much weight into to losing to a New York team, I guess, now. Yeah. Um, week nine is coming up. It's crazy. We're in week nine already, just to process that. Think about it. We're almost halfway there now with the new schedule, 18 weeks. Uh, we'll be halfway there after this week. Um, Ross, What's your game of the week in week nine? Obviously, we got some really good games on deck for this week that I'm excited to talk about, but what's your game? It has to be the Titans and Rams. Has to be. One of the best AFC teams against arguably the best NFC team. Uh, now, of course, kind of what you guys were talking about is that, I mean, no Derrick Henry. Yeah, if you kind of got an issue there, and like, like James, you were going into – I think they could still be serviceable. They still have a good offensive line. They still have two receivers that could take the top off of defense and Brown and, and Julio. They could still run the ball well. Their defense has been playing better. I'm not saying that they'll win this game, but this is easily the most intriguing one to me because this really is going to show 
are the Titans a legit are, – are, were they a legitimate AFC contender? And are they still a legitimate AFC contender? Huge perfect game for them. And now we get to see Von freaking Miller in action. Um, very likely, at least. I mean, still dealing with that ankle injury. There's talks about um, from L.A. is that he's looking good for Sunday, um, last time I saw. So that will be really excited to see his debut there. He gets to go to a better team with worse jerseys, though. So that's that's the only problem for him. He's going to see a step down there. Uh, <laughs> but, man, it's, that's going to be an exciting one. Two good quarterbacks as well. It's going, it should be a fun quarterback deal, quite possibly, between Tannehill and Stafford. Um, and this also just gives that Rams defense to get their first time playing together as a new unit. Gives Matt Stafford more ability to possibly pad his MVP stats. And that's what I'm looking forward to the most. Good pick. I mean, I feel like that could have been anybody's pick. James, what's yours? Green Bay at Kansas. Green Bay at Kansas City. I don't know. Kansas City coming off of a late win against the Giants. You know, it's against the Giants. But Green Bay, man, when they got a – they probably have Adams back this week if – right? If I'm not mistaken, I so, hope so, man. I hope so, so I mean, I, I just so. see. I honestly see. I just want to see Kansas City get torched by Green Bay, <laughs> like completely torched, and like have every Kansas City Chiefs fan be like, "We nearly lost to the Giants, and we just got torched by Green Bay." What is seriously wrong with this team? So that I'm looking forward to them just to get torched by Aaron Rodgers. Love to see it. I would love to see it. Kyle, what's yours? My, my game of the week is the Bengals versus the Cleveland Browns. These are two teams that in the beginning of the season, very, very, I would say Cleveland more so, but as the season progressed, Cincinnati more so. But now after both of these losses for both these teams in the previous week eight matchups, people are questioning what are these teams at this point in time? And I think that leaves a lot of questions unanswered upon what they can do, not only because these two teams were projected to be playoff teams, but they're also within the same division in the AFC North. And both teams, depending if Cleveland wins, they move all the way up to the two spot. If Bengals lose, they move all the way down to the fourth spot after being in first place just last week. So I think this game holds a lot of uh, holds a lot of uh, heaviness and, and weight in this game for both teams, obviously divisional matchup. But this will be a game where I think you're going to see one team is probably going to be eliminated at a playoff contention with this, depending upon who loses because of how tight this division is. I think Baltimore is the favorite, but I think we're going to see a wild card spot either out of uh, Cleveland or Cincinnati. And I think this game holds a lot of weight in saying who finishes at that second spot. It's definitely a good point. Um, You know, I was thinking about it originally before the Dallas game, I was going to say Baltimore, Minnesota, you know, uh, but the more, I th- the more I think about it, it's actually, for me, it's Cardinals 49ers because I'm really interested to see, bless you, how you. Kyler Murray reacts to coming off a loss. How do the Cardinals respond from that type of adversity going up against a divisional opponent that's beginning to get a lot more healthy? We saw Elijah Mitchell steamroll over the Colts defense last week, and the, the Colts have a pretty good defense. Also, um, you know, not to mention the 49ers are coming off. I believe they're coming off a bye, right? So mm-hmm. that's that, that's going to be interesting. 
to watch. Can the 49ers be able to sustain this momentum? Will they get George Kittle back this week? I know he's due to come off of the IR. The 49ers are a team that are kind of like a border wildcard team with your Minnesotas, with your New Orleans Saints. So that's a team that I'm really intrigued to see what they can do against the Arizona Cardinals. But that is my game of the week. And Ross, I forgot to mention this uh, before we brought you up tonight. Uh, you beat me in fantasy this week in our one little <laughs> my second one of the year. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, that was really rough. Uh, Kadar- Kadarius Tony could not pull off 34 points for me last night. That oh, boy. Very un- unfortunate, but um, congratulations. That's one of the few highlights of this league. Luckily, I'm doing a lot better in my four other ones. So, I mean, if Alf- yeah, no, I'm killing my – I have five this year. I'm killing myself. Yeah. It's hard to pay attention to it, but, you know, a bunch of different groups. But it's – at least statistically, I'm going to do well in one. And just so happens in our statistically, I'm not going to do well in one. You know, it's just is what it is. At least I, I'm guaranteed to I'm almost guaranteed to at least win one fancy game a week. You know, this I'm is also sure. true. Um <laughs> <laughs> fantasy football is a different animal. But uh Ross, why don't do you have anything you want to add? Um before obviously I want you to plug uh fourth and long radio as well before we sign off for the night. But uh Absolutely. anything you wanted to add personally on this week? Personally, of course, I gotta give a shout out to at least one of the black things you guys wearing this week with those very nice hats. I'm, of course, I'll be trying to get my own soon, so I, I respect the look you guys got going on. It's good. It's good stuff there. Um, I just gotta say, man, it don't be a Broncos fan. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, at least we're on the boat here. We all don't really have that great of teams to root for. We're all kind of in the same position. At least the Broncos won a Super Bowl a little more recent. Than, than that New Jersey Giants team has. Uh, but <laughs> um, Von Miller is a really good player. That And all I, all I have to say is that I fully am dedicating my, my – the team I need to win Super Bowl now is the Rams. I am all in on the Rams. I picked a Rams and Bills Super Bowl preseason. And so we'll, we'll see if that works out. Uh, but – I just want Von Miller to win a second one. And the last time we saw Von Miller win a Super Bowl was with Wade Phillips. Who knows? Lightning could strike twice there in L.A. Wow. Empowering words from Ross Allen. Ross, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Um, I'm interested to see how that Miller-Wade Phillips reunion works out uh, west in L.A. Uh, Can you please plug in your fourth and long radio show and where people can find that? You bet I can plug everything that you I'll, I can plug for five minutes straight. I have a problem, uh, quite honestly. But of course, <laughs> really do appreciate you having me on for the second time this year. Always a blast with you, gent, lovely, lovely gents. And uh, at least, I mean, I tried to talk as positive as possible. Hopefully, it didn't sound too strained because this was difficult. It does take a lot of energy, but you know. I persevere, and we could get to do this. But, of course, you can find 
all of our amazing content over on their website at, um, that which is the fourth and for NFL specifically we got the fourth and forward slash NFL a few shows going up this week um, of course I just um, uh, before coming on here recorded my NFL week eight breakdown that goes up on Wednesdays um, so you can go check that one out if you're a UFC fan we got that we also have an interview with undefeated fighter from here in Idaho um, just dropped that one here of course you find all that just at our website we're on instagram we're on twitter we're technically on facebook i don't use it because facebook sucks i couldn't figure it out um <laughs> uh, twitter and instagram is where i am at all the time i spend waiting it is tom kind of alluded to when i first came on i spend way too much time um on social media but that's just the nature of the beast i'm trying to promote a show of course if you guys ever come on really do appreciate any follower any subscriber and i mean you guys are all just the best and like i said i love coming on here because it's always a good time on a little bit of reviewing and previewing it's what you guys do best now isn't it yeah uh ross thank you so much i mean you do a lot of great work over at fourth and long so I appreciate um, it that, very really catchy name fun. as well um thank but you. <laughs> we'll have to have you back on again soon thank you so much ross absolutely have a great night you guys we'll we'll be in touch all right absolutely have a good one man take it easy go, go broncos <laughs> thanks ross <laughs> that was ross allen from fourth and long radio um Great stuff from him, as always. We had him on our week one show of Big Blue Avenue. And, folks, at this time, we're going to announce our Quick Picks loser for the month of October. We do NFL Quick Picks every month. And our Quick Picks loser for the month of October is – drum roll, please. Dominic Daniele. Dom has lost. The month of October, the man who has put his neck on the line doing all of these awesome things for us on Bonfire. And what do we do? We punish him. Now, what is that punishment going to be? You know, this was never planned, but I noticed a a lot of members of Review and Preview have last names that end in a vowel, right? We have Russo, we have Montefusco, we have DeFalco, DeSanto. Scavetta, Daniele, Lombardi, Italian, right? Mm. Oh, yeah. Very. Dom, Dom loves drinking wine. Dom is very Italian. What better way than making Dom do a remix of the I'm Italian song and have him dance to it? What do you guys think of that idea? I like it a lot. Let's go on. So, Don, Don, if you're watching, your punishment for the month of October is to reinvent, or not reinvent, but you have to record yourself dancing to the song I'm Italian by Uncle Louie Variety Show. I'm looking forward to seeing that punishment once it comes out. Um, (laughs) OMG. Um, yeah, shout out to uh, my girlfriend there with those comments. Um, I, I don't think she saw that coming, but uh, wow, we're gonna transition from that into some college football. That that was brutal, guys. Um, as we were live, the college football. Um, oh, Dom saw it as well. I'll try my best. Um, yes, uh, 
Better you know, be wearing a gold chain. Got to be wearing a gold chain. Have some wine out. You know, you can just have the, the the YouTube video on playing in the background or the music, or whatever it is, and then do the little dance to it. You know, um, <laughs> show it off a little bit. You have yeah. we, these punishments have to be things that people don't want to do that make them uncomfortable. That's the point of these punishments, and that's why we encourage people to not lose quick picks because this is what happens. Uh, James got screwed over with the Cowboys. Hank uh-huh. was on the verge of losing. But anyway, Kyle, I know uh, college football playoff rankings are officially out, and I'm going to say I am very disappointed with what the committee has done. Um, putting Alabama at number two with one loss, uh, in my opinion, is, is just insane, uh, considering it was to a two-loss team. But we know how the committee is with the SEC. The current college football playoff rankings, the top four are number one is Georgia. Number two is Alabama. Number three is Michigan State, who just beat Michigan Hmm. on Saturday, James. And number four is Oregon out of the Pac-12, the unbelievably bad. Pac-12. I get it. They have a win over Ohio State, who is ranked fifth in that, but how do you not put the Cincinnati Bearcats in the top four? I can see why maybe you leave Oklahoma out. They've looked pedestrian in some of their games against unranks, but I mean, come on. How do you leave the Bearcats out of that? They own a win over Notre Dame. Yeah, this is really interesting. I didn't, I, I did not see this coming with Michigan State, especially, especially over having Oklahoma in there, who was undefeated at nine and zero, but then to also, I mean, you look at Oregon, and I get it, they're four and five with Oregon and Ohio State, and Ohio State lost that game to Oregon. That's Ohio State's only loss of the season. Oregon lost to Stanford, and yet they still managed to be in the top four. So very, very, very questionable. I, I, I didn't, I, I got a. I had an alert about an hour ago about this. I was shocked to see that more so Oklahoma, who's an undefeated team, would actually fall down in the rankings. Yeah. Um, the, the committee's been doing that this year, though. If you don't perform well against the team and you still win, you might drop a spot in the rankings. Um you know, you got to come out and perform every single week. It's not just win. It's not like a survive and win type of college football anymore, which there's been more parity this year than there has been in quite some time. But this is a huge loss for if, – if you're a G5 school like like Cincinnati, this is terrible. This yeah. is disrespectful. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, but – if the you're Cincinnati, Cincinnati, yeah, you got to hope Georgia beats Bama, and you probably got to hope for a loss from. I mean, how, how the hell do you put Oregon as four? That, I mean, the the Pac-12 is is horrible. They barely beat UCLA, and don't get me wrong, UCLA is pretty good this year. They're better than they were in years past, but. Guys, I can't wrap my head around this. I don't know. And also, Notre Dame is number 10. Um, I thought they would be at least eight. Um, but obviously, they've they've uh, 
they've had trouble holding their own this year against some opponents, but um, I thought they played better the last couple of weeks. They destroyed Wisconsin on the road. They beat UNC convincingly. They beat USC convincingly too. Um, but I don't know. Cincinnati got a real raw end of the deal here. And Oklahoma too. Oklahoma's not even top six and they're undefeated. Yeah, it's really it really sucks for both of those uh organizations in Oklahoma and Cincinnati, especially in Cincinnati's case, because they don't play any ranked teams the rest of the year. So the only way, even if they go undefeated, the only way that they're going to get in with this type of standard is if somebody else loses. So SMU was ranked, but they lost. I forget who it was to. And then Utah is a threat in the Pac-12 against Oregon. I think they could potentially upset. I actually think they might win the Pac-12, Utah. I think they have potential to upset uh, Oregon. But, yeah, SMU is the only win that would look somewhat impressive on Cincinnati's resume at this point. All of these other wins are just expected now. Yeah. Um, They might be the UCF of 2017 here, which I don't like. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like this at all. What are we going to do? Supposed to wait until 2026 for the playoff to expand? Like, granted, there'll be more teams in the playoffs, but we're going to be having the same conversation with the borderline teams that are ranked ninth and tenth, and those might be more G5 teams. Where now you're going to have two loss Power Five teams getting in over a, a no loss or a one loss G5 team. Well, we'll see what happens because I don't. I mean, especially with. Michigan State, yeah. them being at the third spot, they have some tough matchups down the stretch to sec- yeah. uh, second to last game of the season against Ohio State. They never beat Ohio State. And then to finish off with Penn State last game of the year, they might try to play spoilers as well upon their season if they do wind up pulling a victory against Ohio State. Um, so I think that Michigan State is not going to be there, but it's really, really interesting to see that they put in Oregon over in Ohio State, who granted, again, lost to Oregon, but is a much better loss than losing to Stanford, which is the case for Oregon, and then choosing two two teams that don't have a loss on the season and actually moving them down in the rankings for teams that have losses. So It's tough. Yep. Tough stuff. Um, We're going to move on from college football and move on to some hockey. Uh, We're going to talk about my – 6-2-1, Six two and one New York Rangers, uh, second in the Metro right now. I'm very happy with the way they performed against the Seattle Kraken on Sunday. Igor Shosturkin has supplanted his name in net for the Rangers. He is goalie one now, full time. Uh, 31 saves. Rangers get their fifth straight road win. Adam Fox scored the go ahead goal. And Jordan Eberle, your guy, scored the only goal for the Kraken. And Adam Fox got a seven-year contract extension yesterday. Fellas, what do you think of the Rangers' start to the season and this contract extension for Adam Fox? It's it's huge. And what's scary about this, Tom, with this team is that, well, number one, Chris Kreider is, is carrying them offensively in terms of goals. Already has seven on the season so far. But why I say it's scary is because guys who are they're dominant or, or, or 
noted goal scorers in uh, in Zibanejad and Panarin are, are not even heated up yet. They each have one goal apiece. Granted, they have a decent amount of assists, uh, assists underneath their belt, but they are not even the ones responsible for all these goals that they're putting up, which is crazy to even think about that they have the record that they do. Mm-hmm. With the exception of that one game against Calgary, Igor has given up maybe a total of, I want to say, maybe seven, six goals over his last five or so starts, six starts. He's been tremendous. Adam Fox getting that massive contract, well-deserved, nine and a half. I think he resets the market as now mm-hmm. either tied or now is the highest annual average defenseman in the in the NHL at this point in time. Um, actually, no, that's wrong. Uh, there's still Eric Carlson with the San Jose Sharks, I think, oh, yeah, the that's... higher annual average. But uh, But as a guy, I think this was like a groundbreaking contract for a guy that wasn't even – at the end of his contract yet. This was his entry-level contract that he was exiting. So to get a deal of this magnitude, obviously just coming off a Norris Trophy, still playing tremendous in his first couple starts this season, first 10 games of the season, uh, nine games of the season, excuse me. But this was a team that I said last year that I thought that they were going to make the playoffs. And granted, a lot of stuff happened to prevent them from making the playoffs, like Mika Zibanejad having covid like Artemi Panarin being out for a couple weeks in the beginning of the season, a tremendous amount of injuries. But with the improvements upon the toughness that they've added to this team, combined with Shesterkin now being the solidified number one, having a new head coach who I think a lot of people can agree is a upgrade over uh, over David Quinn, and now having all your pieces together, uh, you know, second year of Lafreniere, Kako's kind of learned his role and position with the team. They are going to be a scary, scary team. And in my personal opinion, I think that they will be in the Eastern Conference Finals. I think I really do believe that. I'm not just – Tom, I know how you say that about the Islanders and it's fake. I truly believe that the Rangers will be will be there. He called you fake, Tom. No, I didn't know. No, no, no. When you say – when you say you think, No, 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 no. When you, when, you say that the, uh, when you say the Islanders, like, I truly think that they're a good team or I truly think that they're going to be, like, at the end of the finish line and it's like – and then it just, like, puts this curse on them for, like, a week. I truly do believe, like, in all seriousness, that the Rangers are – a highly elite team offensively, defensively, and the ability to, although he hasn't been great uh, this year, limited playtime, obviously, and really didn't have a great second half of last year. And uh, Gorgiev, the ability to have two, obviously one tremendous goaltender and a backup in Gorgiev as well, combined with all the offensive weapons that they have, the defense that they have, they are probably one of the most well-suited teams in all of hockey right now. It's tough. I mean, we have Montreal. Um, or I'm sorry, not Montreal. The Canucks tonight. Um, I don't think that game has started yet. Doesn't start until ten. So I'm hoping that's a win because I'm looking at the schedule coming up, and it's not easy. The Rangers have to go against a couple of unbeaten's. So that's a great time to bring up these comments, Kyle, as the Rangers have to endure. Um, Several tough opponents. No, I, I didn't even look at the schedule. Didn't the even look at the schedule's schedule. Tough. We got Edmonton um, coming up. We got Calgary on the, both of those games are on the road this weekend. Back to back days, Friday, Saturday. 
So we could be slapped with two L's right there, but I'm faithful in Gerard Gallant so far. He's shown me a lot of promise. Uh, Chris Kreider has performed seven goals in nine Mm -hmm. games. I like the way he's played. Adam Fox has nine points. That leads the team from the defenseman position. Yeah. It's insane. James, any any thoughts on uh, my incredibly hot New York Rangers? Boy, just want to say, uh, Tom, you aren't fake from whatever, Kyle. I didn't say out. fake. I said faking <laughs> the comments about the Islanders. Uh, okay. No, I know. I'm playing with you. Some um, of it was genuine, though. Some of no, it. I, no, I, of truly, it. <laughs> I truly believe. I, I really do believe that. I thought they were last year. And, I it, again, it gives me no pleasure in saying this, obviously, as the Islanders share a division and obviously share a – you know, state with the Rangers, it gives me no pleasure in saying that, but they are an extremely well-rounded team, and I think that they yep. will go far this year if all, you know, goes well coaching, health-wise. I think they will be there. Rangers are going to be a team that's going to be around. They're going to have their up and downs throughout the season, but ultimately, if they continue to play the way they are right now, they're going to make some noise in the later half of the season and playoff time, uh, which would be nice for Ranger fan. And it would also be nice for the, the New York Metro area to have uh, that competition back against Islander Rangers fans, only because it hasn't really been there for so long. I agree. Um, with the Islanders getting a new stadium too, their first game at UBS, I think it's called. UBS, yeah. yep. It's, at, uh, it's on November, November 24th. November 24th. Uh, I thought it was the twentieth, Kyle. I thought it, I no, thought that's it was their, the that's their home opener. I'm talking about when they play the Rangers. Oh, oh. okay. Okay. Well, I, I knew what Tom home, was getting at. Yeah, their home opener is the twentieth. But uh, let's transition to your Isles, guys. Three, two, and two. Eight points. Not a bad start to the season. They lost in a shoot uh, shootout to the Nashville Predators, three to two on Saturday. The Isles blew a two to one lead. Um. You know, Josh Bailey's been impressive so far this year. Oliver Wallstrom leads New York with four goals, and Sorokin has been pretty decent in net. Um, talk about this Islanders team, guys. What have you seen throughout the first seven games of this young season? James, you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. They, uh, they've had their up and ups and downs, and it's uh, been more downs than ups at times. Um, their power play has gotten somewhat better. I was able to catch some of the game on Saturday. Um, ultimately, they're just not clicking together yet, which is concerning um, because they are supposed it's supposed to be a pretty good team. But as what we're seeing, they had a tough heart. They had a tough schedule in the beginning, but a lot of these games losing in overtime, losing in shootouts, you know, having a lead and then losing it in the third. It's more it's frustrating and then and for a team that's built around winning right now it surely doesn't look like that at the moment i don't know again if it's just the traveling non-stop where they haven't actually stayed in one place for longer than a day and a half or even a day um but this 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 team give it time when they come home when they they start playing on their home ice when they have home fans they'll be able to re-kick it into gear where We'll see what they were like last year. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in agreement with James. Uh, 
I think that the travel has really affected them uh, just in terms of not being able to play in front of a home crowd, not having that advantage and then being on the road for as long as they've been, you know, when all is said and done, they will have been on the road for more than a month with I think 13 games played in the beginning of the season to start you off on the road. That's a lot of games. And then they've also played some pretty decent teams so far this season, like the Carolina uh, Hurricanes, like the Florida Panthers, Mm. like the Vegas Golden Knights. And for me, as a fan watching, the only thing that scares me, because, again, I think this has to do a decent amount with the fact that they are, again, like James said, traveling from state to state to state, basically spending maybe a day, maybe a day and a half in that location at a point in time. The thing that scares me is that although there are a decent amount of wins that have come out of these games so far, and points to come out of these games, even though there are shootout losses and overtime losses, is that like last year and the season prior, even though they're winning these games, they're still getting tremendously outshot. Like in the Vegas game, they're getting they they got outshot but managed to win in a cutout. In the Chicago game, who only just got their first win the other night, who had lost like eight straight games. Even though they won four to one, Chicago outshot the Islanders forty to twenty nine in that game. They are a team that has cashed in on their goal opportunities, on their shot opportunities, but really hasn't put up many more shots than the, than their opponents. They've had some games like the overtime loss to Columbus, where it was thirty six to thirty two, Arizona, where it was twenty six to twenty four, but they're not out shooting anybody, which is again. As long as you're capitalizing on your opportunity, it's not that big of a deal, but it becomes more concerning when you see these losses to teams like the Panthers in the beginning of the season, three to six, uh, three to six loss, and a game like against Florida in a five to one loss. You got to say to yourself, well, you got to get more shot attempts. Uh, you got to get more attempts because if you're not cashing on these attempts and you're getting tremendously outshot, this is going to be a problem moving forward because those two teams, especially rather than any of the other teams in which they face so far, those are going to be the teams that they're going to see down the line when they if they make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a legitimate point. Um, being outshot is definitely concerning. I believe I brought that up uh, when the season was just starting, like a week or two ago, on the show. Um, and then, but at least you get to play Montreal on Thursday. The Islanders they haven't played; they're not playing many games this week. A two and eight Canadians team that made the Stanley Cup Finals last year. Yeah. Um, what what a different season they're having through their first ten games. They look like absolute dog right now. Yeah. Well, um, um, without Carey Price, without Carey yeah. Price, they have taken obviously a tremendous hit. You know, noting that they would take a tremendous hit, and then they also sent down Cole Caulfield uh, after only having one point in ten games who was such a tremendous player last year and had such a was such a focal point in that cup run last year as well to send him down after only 10 games is it's pretty alarming quite frankly but hopefully they get a win out of that game on Thursday night hope so too um folks it's been a crazy crazy start of the season for Hockey, and it's been a very interesting and crazy start for New York basketball as well. The Knicks and the Nets, both above 500. 
seven games in. The Knicks are five and two. The Nets are four and three. Although last night, the Knicks lost their second game of the season to the Toronto Raptors. They were ahead by several amount of points in this game, and they end up losing by nine. OJ uh, Anubi had 36 points. Kyle Russo, uh, are the Knicks legit this year? Are they contenders, or is this just a good start for a young team that's still developing? Because Toronto, a team that looked like they weren't going to do much this season, all of a sudden they've won four in a row. Yeah, it's been uh, when you break down the Eastern Conference, especially more so than the West, you see a lot of these games getting the top that you didn't necessarily think that were going to be there. I mean, the Knicks had a great season last year, don't get me wrong, but to see them at the third spot in the Eastern Conference, Washington at the four, Chicago at the one, I was I was an advocate for what Chicago did, and I thought they were going to be a great team, but number one seed, the way they were playing, I don't think anybody could have predicted that. But back to the Knicks, they've had, while they've had some quality wins, like the one against Chicago, who is one of the best teams in all of basketball right now, one against the 76ers, and then that great game to start the season against the Celtics. Some of these games have been, you know, questionable, where you say to yourself, well, if you're doing this, these should be easier wins, like a game in Orlando, losing a game to Orlando, who only has two wins this season, one coming against the Knicks. And then you look at, uh, I don't want to say a struggle, but a closer rather than it should have been victory against the New Orleans Pelicans, who don't even have Zion Williamson right now. And then a big loss against Toronto, who, again, another surprise, Oji uh, Anubi is, is a defender. He He's a primetime defender. Uh, obviously, he's developing his game, the ability to shoot more. But the fact that he's shooting the ball 27 times last night and putting up 36 on the New York Knicks is not the greatest of signs. Obviously, it's early in the season, and teams are still trying to figure out each other. And the Knicks are still trying to figure out their team as well, as they have two tremendous, huge free agency uh, offseason acquisitions. And Evan Fournier, who's looked great so far this season, and Kemba Walker, who's looked pretty good himself as, uh, as well. But I think that with the New York Knicks, uh, for all New York Knicks fans, I think what they could say is very heartwarming or very is very settling is that Randall has picked up right back where he's off in terms of his ability to score basketball and has become that prime time, showtime type of player. And RJ Barrett continues to prove, improve night in and night out. So I think that while the Knicks have had some questionable losses in closer games than I think that they should have, they have been a very, very surprising team in terms of what they've shown so far this season through the first seven games being five and two and where they are projected to be in this Eastern Conference. But I think they are a good team moving forward. James, anything you want to add on these Knickerbockers and their start to the season? Five and two, they haven't seen five and two in quite some time. No, it's nice to actually see to have two New York teams, two New York basketball teams compete as well as they are. It makes it fun to listen to. Maybe I'll try to get into basketball now. You know, I have actually two good teams in New York and not two awful teams. Um, but to, to see them kind of – um, start where they left off last season's nice, and especially hearing like a few of those guys continuing on how they ended. Um, it's only a bright spot for the 
the Knicks and the Knicks fans um, to grow and have some hope for their team in the next coming months and years to follow. Yeah, I agree. I think they're headed in the right direction. I think they're going to be a playoff team again this year. Uh, I still think teams like the Nets, the Bucks, the Heat are probably going to sit towards the top of the East. I think the Bucks right now are dealing with a lot of injuries. No Holiday, Lopez, Middleton, or DiVincenzo. That's four of their starting five on a regular night, which is why they're sitting at three and four right now. Um all due respect to the guys filling in for them. But Brooklyn also, no Kyrie Irving. They don't know if he's going to play this season. Brooklyn does have a little bit of a better bench now with Lamar, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge joining their bench. And then they have another good player off the bench too, Kyle. I can't think of his name for some Patty reason. Mills. Patty Mills, yes. Yeah. It just dawned on me. Uh, let's talk about Brooklyn now. So they're four and three. They beat the Detroit Pistons convincingly, and tomorrow night they have a game at the Barclays Center against the Atlanta Hawks, a team who made the Eastern Conference Finals last year, and again, a team that nobody's talking about, the Atlanta Hawks coming in to play Brooklyn. Who the hell is going to guard Trey Young tomorrow night? That's my biggest concern. I don't think James Harden will be up to that task. I think that what we've seen so far this season between both those teams actually, you know, especially is the implementation of the new rule in basketball where you can't lean into a foul, get the foul call, and then go to the free throw line. And especially why I bring up that point is because two players notorious for that is James Harden and Trey Young, who Mm -hmm. essentially both tried to figure out that aspect of that part of their game that has now gone away. And James Harden, we've seen, he's kind of gotten back to that James Harden stance, even though he's not taking 20 free throws a game and making – 19 of them and that's a decent amount of his points and same thing for trey young that's why i think the hawks sit as low as they do i believe that ninth seed in the eastern conference at this point in time that's the reason why they're not really being talked about because it's not injuries Uh, from what i know they they're all healthy they're just not winning basketball games i think that's a major hit to them and then obviously with brooklyn you know losing kyrie irving and, and losing them the way that they did meaning that they found this news out seven game, seven days before the season, guys. Like, they planned an entire offseason for this guy to be such a huge part of this roster moving forward, and now trying to learn how to play without him is has become difficult so far, and that's why we've seen this trouble with Brooklyn, and not only the absence of Kyrie Irving, but figuring out their rebounding situation as well because they have no rebounding really – dominant players at the center position. Nick Plaxton is a good player, but he's not a guy that's going to give you 15 boards a night. Kevin Durant has kind of had to take on that role as the bigger, lengthier player where he's able to grab a lot of rebounds, but you're asking way too much of him. I know specifically just the the Heat game that they played last week, they got out-rebounded by 20 rebounds, something like that, 62 to Mm -hmm. 42. That was a major contribution to why Brooklyn lost that game because – not only were they getting out-rebounded, but then the ability to out-rebound Brooklyn and getting those second-chance points opportunities, that's been a major hit to that team as well. So, Tom, when we're talking about these matchups, uh, again, I don't know if you're going to see James Harden go up against Trey Young. I would assume that would be the assignment. Uh, I would assume that'd be the guy that he would be guarding. Uh, not that James Harden is the most spectacular of defenders, but in terms of guard-size matchups, I, I would think that would be the matchup. In terms of who will win this game, it's really a question because I think it's going to come down to 
one, I think John Collins is hurt right now. Uh, he's day to day. I don't know if he's going to be play, which is also huge. But Clint Capella as well. I don't. I don't know on Brooklyn who's going to be the answer for Clint Capella, a, a guy that can give you twenty and fifteen every night. Yeah. So that's going to be huge. But uh, I think that Brooklyn has the capability of of scoring the way that they do and clicking the way that they do to the point where it becomes too difficult for these other teams to beat them. So I know you didn't ask me who's going to win, but I think that Brooklyn has the favorable matchup in that situation. I'm going to go with the Hawks. Um, uh, I think Duran and Harden are both going to each have to throw up a 30-piece each for Brooklyn to even have a chance in this game, and I just don't know if they're going to be able to do that. Um, Joe Harris has drastically underperformed since last year's playoffs, and that's carried over into the regular season. Bruce Brown is a starter on that team. Bruce Brown is not an NBA starter. Uh, for a team like that. Maybe he's a starter for a lower-tier team, but James, uh, a man with ties to Brooklyn, where is <laughs> Brooklyn at right now? I don't Brooklyn, know, man. Brooklyn's lost, man. They don't have their uh, their combo they were banking on like they had last season. Brooklyn's lost. They, uh, they're they trying to put wins together without uh, their boy, but I don't know how much longer they can hold up like this. I'll, I'll say this, because people and, and myself just, just alluded to the fact that they're without Kyrie, and that was such a huge part of their offense. But what people uh, neglect to realize is that while they say such a part, obviously, is. I mean, the level that he takes them to when you put those three on the court together is so tremendous. And that's why they were rated before the season. They had a 76% chance to win the NBA Finals with that trio out there, which I don't, I don't doubt personally. But they only played eight games together, guys, as a trio ever. They only had eight games ever. They've had to learn That's how to true. play without each other before. I think with Brooklyn, what Brooklyn, what worries me more is that where's that defensive dominance coming from, right? Because yeah. when, when they made that James Harden trade, not a lot of people cared about what they gave up. But the key piece that they did care about that they gave up was Jared Allen because Jared Allen was a monster on the boards who was developing somewhat of an offensive game. And we've seen now in Cleveland, he's continued that defensive dominance in the paint with the capability of dropping 10, 12 points a night with, and he's also versatile. He's, he's putting some steals, obviously as a, a big center, uh, being able to block as well. Brooklyn doesn't have that right now. And that's a big part that they're missing and then not having Kyrie to replace that defensive aspect with more offense has hurt them. I agree with that. I think Brooklyn yeah. has an uphill battle from here. But while we have just about five more minutes in the show, let's check in. Give a live update here on the World Series Game 6, top of the third, no score. Luis Garcia on the mound against Max Freed tonight. As of right now, I'm pulling up the stat sheet, and there's been some early drama in this game, actually. Uh Yeah. I don't know if anybody's taken note about that, but uh, as of right now, each team has just one hit, one from Altuve and one from Aldis Garcia, three strikeouts for the Atlanta Braves. He's been pitching pretty well. Max Free, I'm sorry, Luis Garcia, three strikeouts for the Strohs. Max Freed with two for the Atlanta Braves. And I believe if I'm looking at this story correct, um, 
Oh, early drama, as in Max Fried escaped an early jam after his ankle was stepped on at first base. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Look. I don't agree with what Houston did. It's not right. You can't tell me they're the only team that that's done that. There's so many other teams that have done maybe maybe not not to that degree. It's just Houston unfortunately got caught. Yeah. And as a Mets fan, I am willing you you guys know me. I I, I say what's on my mind and I I generally don't care what people think. I'm rooting for the Astros to win this World Series because I'm a Mets fan. I can't root for an NL East team. If the Braves win, will I be upset? Not really because they'll have deserved it. I mean, it's hard not to root for the Braves in this series, right? Like part of me even wants the Braves to win this series. They have a great fan base. They have a great team. They made the moves they needed to make in the offseason. But as a Mets fan – just can't root for a team in, in your conference to to win if you're a, if you're a diehard like me. I mean, you know, it, it's not as insane as like Philly or Washington. Uh, the Braves are actually the Braves and the Marlins are teams I don't really despise. I just strongly dislike them. Like Philly and Washington, I I, I can't stand because of the rivalries with the Mets that have been going on for the past decade or so. But um, what is your take on this? Because I've been telling this to like some people and they're shocked. They're like, you're rooting for the Astros. It's more me rooting against the Braves than it is actually rooting for the Astros. And people don't understand. You really expect fans of all NL East teams to root for the Braves? That's not how baseball works. I, James, I think I posed this question to you and Hank last week. And because I, I know myself personally, I'm rooting for the Braves. I, I thought that personally, after that grand slam in the first inning the other night, the game was over, and they wanted to blowing that opportunity, which we'll see holds uh, some effect. Furthermore, obviously, as we're only in the third inning right now of game, this is game six now, so we'll see if that holds any trials and tribulations. But you look at what the Astros had done, right? Mm-hmm. If they win. Just three, what is it, two, three years out of a World Series appearance doing what they've done. What, what does that wipe away, or does it kind of hide what they've done because of the fact that for the most part they've kept the core players that were the reason why they won in the first place back in 2017, 2018? Does it, does it, does it throw a, a shadow over that? Because you got to remember when this news came out about the Astros cheating. There was like three weeks of training baseball where everybody was throwing at them, and then COVID-19 hit the world. And then that was it. Nobody really talked about what the Astros had done during the 2020-60 game regular season. And not a lot of people were talking about it this season either. And now they've reached the World Series again with the same amount, like same core players of, of a Correa, a Bregman, an Altuve. They win tonight. They – they're going to a game seven. They have an opportunity to win. Does that essentially hide what they've done? That this guy they've done, they still managed to do win a World Series. Does it brought up, Tom, I don't know if you watched the full thing last week. Hank brought up, he said that it makes it even worse because it shows that they were able to win a World Series without cheating Yeah, with the same core mm-hmm. players. But I'm, I'm just wondering your guys' take. 
I agree with that. If the Braves win this World Series, obviously Dusty Baker is the manager. And by by no means do I think Dusty Baker is is cheating one bit in this series. Uh, you know, and they brought him in, new new manager. There's a lot of new players on this team that weren't there last time the Astros won this World Series. You still have your core, like your Correas, like your Altuve's, your Bregmans. I get it. But I actually know an Astros fan from the New York area who said, look, I'm glad they're back, and I want them to do it this time the right way. And they have an opportunity to do that. They're two games away, and if they do it, we have to give them all the credit in the world. I mean, this might be – this could potentially be the best comeback story in the history of Major League Baseball if they're able to pull this off, not just the series itself and the way it went, the the way the last three years have went for them as a baseball organization. You really have to process that. They were down. They were never bad. Like, they were never a bad baseball team during this time, but they were just trounced on by the media. They were trounced on by the fans. They're still – everybody hates Houston so much. They hate that baseball team. They'll they'll never be liked again by a lot of fans in the MLB. They lost a lot of respect. But if they're able to pull this off, that is the, in my book at least, that is the best comeback story in, in, in MLB history. We'll and, see. Uh, we'll see. You know, we'll see. But, um, folks, speaking of baseball, remember tomorrow night, Hank and Dichter will be live with his – Season finale of hitting for the cycle. He he will either be previewing a game seven or recapping a World Series win for the Braves following tonight's game six. It will either be one or the other. Which one will it be? Well, we don't know yet. You better go watch the game, James and Kyle. Thank you so much for coming on tonight. Full two-hour show. This was a lot of fun. No doubt. Always a pleasure joining you guys on a Tuesday night talking sports. Oh, yeah. It was great seeing actually both of you yesterday. We uh, we all saw each other in a, in three different ways. I saw Russo and Tom. I saw you, so it was nice. And I'm loving the hat, man. They're they're awfully comfortable. Loving these too. These these mugs we got, man. They're they're, they're awesome stuff. Make sure uh, to go check out our store. It it is reopened. You 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 can buy stuff again for the next two weeks. We decided to reopen it, but. We're not really plugging it as much since our original campaign is over. Wanted to thank everybody for supporting that. Um, and we'll be back next week. It's great to have the crew back, and hopefully uh, we will be recapping a Giants win this time around heading into the bye. Folks, on behalf of James Montefusco, Kyle Russo, I'm Tom Scavetta saying so long. You've been watching Review and Preview here on Facebook Live. Have a good night, everybody.